Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. From D2 to D3. With J.T. Mitchell. Best in sports reports listen here throughout the year all right as i've said in the past covering college football is a whole lot easier when our teams win and that's exactly what happened this weekend exempting one outcast we'll get to that i'm your host jt mitchell and welcome into the show this is from d2 to d3 your new home for division two and division three sports coverage across the magnolia state As always, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it more than you know. This show could not happen without you, and it also could not happen without our great sponsors, specifically Eve's Law Firm. I tell you this every week. Pick up the phone and call them. These guys are the best of the best when it comes to attorneys. I speak from experience. Call Eve's Law Firm today at 601-355-7961 or visit them online at eveslaw.com. So we do have a good bit on tap today. First, we'll go over a quick rundown of what happened over the weekend. Then secondly, we'll move from American football to football, which is also American, I guess, but uh, European by trade soccer, that is. We'll catch up with Mississippi College men's soccer coach Kevin Johns as the Choctaws are currently in the middle of a stellar season, one that very well uh, could end up in the postseason. So you're not going to want to miss that interview. So what were the highlights of the Division II and Division III football scene uh, this past weekend in Mississippi? In my lowly opinion, I think the biggest storyline was Bellhaven's big win over Huntington. I warned y'all last week, this was the game to watch if you're a D3 football fan here in the Magnolia State, with the winner uh, probably ending up as the USA South champion. And man, I went out there to the Bellhaven Bowl in Jackson and expected a close game, but instead it was a beatdown in favor of the Blazers. It started off a little shaky with a Tim Johnson interception on the opening drive. I was like, man, this might not go very well. But the defense stepped up immediately, forced a three and out, a punt. Then the Bellhaven offense followed suit with Colby Blunt once again showing that he is the best running back in the USA South. 
He had a hell of a day on the ground with 225 yards, two touchdowns, both of which came in the first half. And Bellhaven just ran up and down the field on Huntington, who, by the way, was the number one defense in the conference coming into this game. I think now they've dropped to number three in terms of total defense. Overall, Bellhaven had 400 rushing yards for the second time this season. If you'll remember, they eclipsed that 400-yard mark against Lyon in Week 2. Blunt now has 690 yards on the season. That's good enough for number 6 in Division 3. But you have to remember that Bellhaven's already had um, what we're now calling an off week. Brian Haydad on Sports Talk Mississippi and Thunder and Lightning, he is gung-ho about it not being a bye week. He says bye weeks come in the playoffs. So Bellhaven has had their off week, and I cannot imagine the five guys in front of Colby Blunt have all had off weeks at this point. Bottom line is, this guy is arguably the best running back in Division Three, and he continues to prove it week in and week out. Deserves to be an All-American, and hopefully he will be. Coach McCorkle and I were discussing before the season when we had him on the program that Blunt has uh, virtually been shafted by not being mentioned on any of these national publications preseason All-American list, but now he's definitely proving everybody wrong. Um, speaking of the national media, somehow Bellhaven is once again not in the top 25. Absolutely criminal, in my opinion. I mean, I know that there are a lot of Division Three teams to cover, and we rely heavily on D3Football.com to be our number one source for the top 25 poll. But they can't be watching all of these games and think that Bellhaven is not a top 25 program. They did receive votes for, I believe, the sixth week in a row. And I saw that D3Football.com uh, has been getting a lot of flack online for keeping a 2-3 and three Mary Harden Baylor in the rankings. And yes, they do actually argue back with these keyboard crusaders on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot. And they say, uh, well, Mary Harden Baylor lost to three ranked teams in River Falls, so Whitewater, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, I disagree. I was thinking about this earlier today. Say this was a Division One situation. We'll use Alabama as an example. All teams I'm about to throw out are just for the sake of hypotheticals. So say an Alabama team started the year in the top five. They opened up by losing to number 23, Kansas. Then they lost back-to-back contests to number five, Oklahoma, and number four, let's say Florida State, before winning two games against South Florida and Mississippi State, both unranked. Alabama would not be in the top 25. AP voters would not let it happen. I firmly believe that. So if you ask me and you can argue with me if you want, I do not think a two and three team should be ranked in the top 25. Mary Harden Baylor is, and that's a spot Bellhaven should have. Whether it's D1, D2, or D3, a two and three team should not be in the top 25. Of course, they can work their way back into it, but they don't deserve just the benefit of the doubt and say, hey, they're good historically. They've won a lot of championships. They started off the season against three top 25 teams, but they lost, you know, uh, close games here and there. They bounced back with two wins over okay teams. Let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and keep them in the top 25 because eventually we think they might deserve to be there. That's BS. That, that, that should not be how it goes. 
but I'll get off my soapbox now and back to the game on Saturday. Uh, just an incredible environment at the Bellhaven Bowl. The defense and offense were both firing on all cylinders. Of course, after that initial interception, the fans turned out over 2,500 people were there in attendance. It was a beautiful day, felt good, about 65 degrees, lots of Bellhaven fans in attendance. But speaking of attendance, did you see how many fans showed up to the Whitewater game? Unreal turnout. They had 20,113 fans show up to their game against Wisconsin lacrosse. That breaks their previous record, which they set last year for the most fans on campus for a D3 football game. You have to take into account that the overall record is somewhere north of 40,000 because ever since I think 2019 is when they started it, Cortland and Ithaca have been playing at Yankee Stadium slash MetLife Stadium, and they've been bringing in around 40,000, if not more, each year. But if I could have been in two places at once this past weekend, it would have been there in Whitewater. I'll post a picture on my Twitter slash X at JT Mitchell Radio, uh, at least the article from that Whitewater record-breaking crowd, and they lost, but 20,113 fans were there to see it. So moving down the slate of D2 and D3 games across the Magnolia State, Delta State also rushed the heck out of the ball this weekend. Patrick Shegog, you know, he was still getting back into the groove of things after an injury last week. I messaged with Don Mitchell. He's the PA announcer um, and a, a kinfolk of mine, actually, at Delta State. And he said they just took Shegog out uh, to be precautionary. And they worked him back slowly throughout the week. And he did play. Um, but I think the coaches, Coach Cooley and company, decided to play it safe and just put the ball on the ground. And that's exactly what they did. They rushed for 417 yards against number 19, Valdosta State, and defeated the Blaze 49-25 to on the road. And this was a big win for the Statesmen. We talked last week about how they were 5-0, and but the schedule had been a cakewalk so far. This was the first time they played a top 25 team this year, and they showed, man, they are the real deal. The rest of the schedule will be tough. You got a sneaky North Greenville team at home this weekend. Then they'll play a top 10 West Florida team on the road. That will be the biggest game of the regular season, if you ask me. They'll have an off week before closing out the year against West Georgia and Mississippi College. And when I went back to rewatch the Delta State game on Saturday, it just further proved that the Statesmen have a real chance. I know I sound like a record player here, but they have a real chance to go farther than the second round of the D2 playoffs this year. And I hope that happens. But for it to happen, Shegog is going to have to get things back in order. We know, I mean, we undoubtedly know that this guy is one of the best quarterbacks in Division Two, And we know that he's dealing with some sort of leg injury. We know that as well. But he did throw his first two interceptions of the year. And what looked like they were purposefully limiting his action and his pass attempts. At the end of the day, though, I do foresee him getting things back in order, back under control. I mean, I'm not going to start doubting what we've seen so far and what we've seen this young man can do. And he's a professional. At the end of the day, he might end up playing professional ball, but he looks like a professional out there. He is playing college football at a professional level. We know that. I think he'll come back and uh, give us the best of his ability in week seven. 
Other highlights here, looking at the box score of Delta State's win, dynamic backfield duo of Kelvin Smith and Christian Malloy. They combined for 296 yards, four touchdowns. Smith had three of those, and Malloy had one. And I actually just got a notification on my phone that Kelvin Smith has been named the GSC Offensive Player of the Week well-earned there. On the defensive side of the ball, Malik Jones had his third game in a row with an interception. And by the way, we, we talk about how Shegog needs to get things back under control as he deals with this leg injury, but he was efficient when you look outside of the two interceptions. He was 8 of 13 passing for 112 yards and three total touchdowns. He's just good. And an injury happens even to good players. So we wish him the best and hope that he can keep this team moving forward because right now they have a lot of momentum there in Cleveland and uh, you you want things to go right there. Uh, Speaking of momentum, but in this case, momentum being absolutely lost, we thought Millsaps might have some momentum after finding their first win of the season last year, last week against Birmingham Southern. That was a 14-8 game. The defense came out, looked good, but against Rhodes this past weekend, they reverted back to their old selves. They let up 37 points. And they just got stomped. Simple as that. The final score was 37-7. So anybody, myself included, who thought that they would transition that momentum from Birmingham Southern to this past weekend were mistaken. Doing a quick uh, overlook here, the majors were down 14 early in the game. They then pulled within one possession on a 33-yard touchdown pass from freshman quarterback Gray Jennings to Tamias Mason, but then the Lynx went off for 23 unanswered points, winning the game, like I said, 37-7. Jennings finished 21-38 of passing for 218 yards, the one touchdown and one interception. Mason, who has been having a good year, I said last week, get the ball into the hands of number four and good things will happen. The majors tried to do that. He had six receptions for 48 yards. Liam Cohen added 32 yards on the ground. And if you watch Millsaps, that is something that's missing from their offense is the rushing attack. I mean, yes, if you keep getting the ball to Tamias Mason or keep targeting him at least, it'll open up the field for the rest of the receiving core, Austin Riley, Connor Ladner, etc. But if you don't have a run game, it hurts your entire offense. It hurts your receivers because they know you're passing or you're just running the ball inefficiently. So that's something they need to get figured out there. The defense against Rhodes was atrocious. They gave up a season-high 563 yards. That's a season-high four Rhodes. Kind of reverted back to week one and week two when they gave up 100 points in two weeks. Uh, but one little factoid worth pointing out was that one of Rhodes's touchdowns came from Jackson native and St. Andrews alum Aaron Cooper. So congrats to him. Mississippi College, back to the D2 side. They were on an off week. You may have heard my rant last week about how they are a talented team. They just don't play all four quarters, but maybe they'll start. They have a pretty big weekend matchup against Valdosta State this Saturday. Bellhaven and Delta State will look to remain undefeated as the Statesmen will be back at home against uh, North Greenville. The Blazers will be on the road at LaGrange, who's not been very good this year. Should be a win for both of those teams. And then Millsaps, they're just not going to catch a break. They have their hands full once again this weekend. They'll be at number 24, Barry. That's at Mount Barry. And that environment there is 
one of the best in D3. So that will be a hard test for the majors. So now that we've gone through the weekend that was in college football, you know who each team is playing this weekend. Let's hop over to the phone line and talk a little soccer. You know, sometimes I think we lose track of other sports going on during the fall season because football is just so big here in the Magnolia State. But on this show, from D2 to D3, We're going to try not to lose focus of what other D2 and D3 teams not on the gridiron are doing, especially when they're doing it well. We now welcome Mississippi College head men's soccer coach Kevin Johns to the program. Hey, coach, what's going on? I'm doing just fine. Thanks for having me. For sure. So you're 10 games into the season, and so far, so good. 8-1-1 overall, 4-0-1 in conference play, and tied atop the GSC So that one loss was by just one goal. So the margin's real thin. I mean, a two-goal difference between y'all and an undefeated record. What are your thoughts so far on your squad? Uh, I'm impressed. I think we're probably exceeding uh, as a staff, you know, what what we wanted to accomplish uh, this early or I'd say just halfway through the season. Uh, You know, the team has come together really well and uh, and they've done really well uh, on the field and even off the field, as far as you know, being a team and, and coming together, so it's been uh, it's been an impressive start for us. And you know, we probably like to have back uh, those two two games. The one we lost is probably as bad as we played all year. Um, so unfortunately, that was the one loss. And then the tie, you know, we were we were up one nothing with um, you know they were number five ranked team in the country at the time, and we were we were winning one nothing with about seven and a half minutes ago, and. We kind of let in a goal that was probably looking back. We would like to kind of have that moment back also. or you know, because Otherwise, we could be sitting undefeated. So that's how close you said. Like you said, the margins are. There's not a lot of uh, difference there. We could be you know, possibly 10-0 if we'd have done one or two small things different. So Right. And hopefully you just learn from that, though. A two-goal margin, and you have six games left. Let's just talk a little bit through your roster. Um, I know Max Bush, he leads the team in both points and goals. You've gotten some big freshman play from Dennis O'John on top of those two guys. What players have really made a positive impact this year? Uh, well, you know, we, we are blessed. We, we do have kind of an older team. Uh, we have a lot of guys that, uh, you know, with the COVID year, they're doing an extra year. We have a few grad students, and uh, like you know, uh, Guillermo Santos, who plays played with us now. Uh, you know, he's been in our program now for six years. You know, he'll graduate with a degree and, and, and a master's degree uh, because you know, he had redshirted one year because of an injury. And then, uh, you know, he had the COVID year also. So he's actually playing in his sixth year with us, and he's obviously having a very, very good year. And, uh, doing a lot of stuff for us on the field, and Josh Davies, you know, our center back, who's you know our team captain. Uh, again, he's in his fifth year because of the COVID year, also and doing his masters. So we have some in some key positions. We have some guys that have some really good leadership talents, and on and off the field, and, and also very very good, uh, you know, footballers and good players, and, and help us. Uh, as far as even on the coaching side of things, they help us with their leadership and, and kind of what the young guys need to expect from the program and what, what they expect, you know, our standards to be. Uh, so we're a bit blessed in that area, that's for sure, you know, as far as having some guys that have been around for a few years and know what our program, what we want out of our players and, and kind of uh, make sure guys get that effort and the stuff the coaching staff wants. So uh, that's probably our biggest uh, positive those guys that have been around for a while and know what we expect and what we want out of our players, and they kind of hold those kids accountable. So if there's one positive from the pandemic, 
and say, y'all got the COVID year, right? You got a lot of studs back. You said Davies, Santos, both preseason All-GSC guys. Davies was also named an All-American last year as well. How has his play improved from year four to this year five, which was granted through COVID-19? Uh, he, you know, he just, again, it's more than anything else. It's just his, his, his talents on the field are, there's not a question of that he's, you know, I, I feel he's the best center back in the conference, uh, he's, you know, hands down, uh, you know, some of the stuff that he provides now is more, even from last year to this year is just, again, his, his leadership and, and pushing the guys to the younger guys to know what they need to expect and how the, the effort they need to put in training and the way he carries himself. Uh, more than else, that's going to be obviously a massive miss for us when he does finally move on because that's something he provides for us that, uh, again, you can't really even quantify. You can't feel I mean, you just, you just, you can feel it as a coach and see what he gives you, uh, off the field. I mean, on the field, it, it speaks for itself. I think most people that play us know that, uh, that's probably our, uh, you know, best position is our center back position. And with him leading that position, uh, you know, it's, he does a very good job and he helps us as a team, uh, on the field and off the field, the way he carries himself and the way he plays. Uh, he's, like I said, he's very, he's a very accountable person. He puts in all the work and training, uh, and things like that. So he, again, the way he carries himself just shows these young guys the way that, you know, even for next year and things like that, how they need to carry themselves. And, and cause we obviously as a program, you know, we want to have a certain culture and certain standards, and, and he makes sure the way he carries himself, he shows it. Uh, he holds himself to that standard, and, and the young guys will have to continue to do that as he graduates and moves on. But he's been a blessing to have for five years, and we'll miss him as he, as he finally graduates and moves on. I uh, do think, you know, right now he's set to probably be our grad assistant next year, so uh, he'll hopefully be around again. Uh, I mean, he, he, you know, I think he enjoys the program and enjoys this area. And, He's involved in the community some, and so again, he's done a lot of stuff for our program. Uh, you know, off the field, uh, on the field is obviously as a coach. I, you know, that's the stuff I get to see and, and know. But also off the field, uh, the way he holds, you know, make sure these guys are doing what they need to do, and then and then being involved in the community and some stuff, uh, things like that. I think it's, um, you know, he's been a very blessing, uh, you know, for us as a program. Uh, and we've had, look, we've been very blessed with center backs over the last. Five, six, seven, eight years. We've had some very good ones, you know. The only two All Americans we've had now, both of them center backs. So Josh is in that line of uh, hopefully he should get All American again this year. He's definitely talented enough. And if that happens, you know, he'd be the first time we've ever had uh, one player get uh, be a two time All American. So, uh, you know, he'll probably try to go play some level professional, and he's good enough. I think he is, but, you know, uh, he has an option to come back and be a grad assistant with us. And right now he's slated to be. It just depends if anything works out for him, you know, after college playing wise. So. I think you hit a high point there about the pros of having an older team. You know, older guys, they can show younger guys how the program is supposed to be, how they're supposed to act. In some ways that coaches really can't, um, it's always good to have an older squad to work with. You talk about how he could go play pro. Will Santos go play pro as well? I, mean, I think he will probably end up. I mean, I think he's just talented up, but he'll probably end up trying to just go home. He, he's a uh, he is a Portuguese kid, and he's from Portugal, and he, I think he loves Portugal. <laughs> uh, so I think he's probably slated slated to go home with a master's degree. You know, I think he already has a. He's a very, he's a smart kid, very good in the classroom. Uh, you know, he's uh, doing his master's in computer science, and so. I think he has some stuff kind of planned. So I think Gee knows this might be his last hurrah in soccer, and I think that's why he's going all out and putting everything he can into it. And he's had a very good year for us. Uh, you know, he came in as a young freshman. Uh, you know, like I said, he's been with me six years now, and he was 17 years old when he came across from Portugal. And to watch the growth in him as a person, but as a player also, but as also as a person, has just been obviously great. And uh, you know, 
uh, he's uh, I have a five year old son at the house, and uh, Guy and Josh are both you know two of my son's favorite. He's very fond of Guy. Uh, he gets along very well with Guy and loves to always ask how Guy does. And you know, Guy's a, a talented soccer player. You know, he's got that kind of um, obviously Brazilians speak Portuguese. He has a little Brazilian flair to him as a player. I was talking about him today. I was like, you know, sometimes he drives you crazy as a coach because he'll try some a lot of stuff maybe that he doesn't always have to try. But, you know, sometimes he pulls it off. And uh, so as a coach, sometimes it's best just to get out of somebody like his way and just uh, let him do his thing sometimes uh, and, and, and see him do some of the uh, creative stuff he does is obviously a big advantage for us as a team. And, and I think it makes us more dangerous as we go forward. So uh, he's been he's also been a very good blessing to have for being a six year and, and obviously he'll be missed also when he moves on. I mean that's why our benefit right now is you know we do have a bit of an older team that knows what the program wants and what 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 we're trying to strive to get to. Uh and and I think that's helped us a lot in some of these games and things like that. And uh as we keep moving forward I hope it'll continue on that way, you know? Yeah, for the future. Um how do you feel about the goalkeeping so far? Uh it's good. It's a competitive environment for us. Uh you know I think Cole um we have, you know, we had three or four good ones actually. We've had actually a couple of guys get injured, and uh, some of the guys were fighting for positions. Uh, you know, start off you were five goalkeepers, and then suddenly we're down to three. Uh, and Cole and Carlos were kind of going back and forth. Uh, you know, and, and Cole was our returner from last year, and Cole had a very great weekend up in uh, Christian Brothers and Union weekend, and ended up getting Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, and kind of, you know, so now I feel like as we move forward, uh, it's, it's, you know, Cole's position right now, and he's doing very, very well. Carlos is a very good goalkeeper also, though. So both those guys, I just think I feel very comfortable with either one of those two guys. You know, if either one of those two have to play the game and start for us, that we can, you know, we they won't cause us to lose the game, that's for sure. They can, uh, and they can help us win many games, you know? Yeah, I mean, so. that's good. Pray that neither go down, but if one does, you feel comfortable with the other. So in this show, we, we are big believers that preseason rankings mean absolutely nothing. What matters is where you fall and when it's all said and done, right? Um, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it, preseason doesn't really mean a whole lot. Look, and even midseason doesn't really mean a lot. It's always obviously how you finish, you know, and uh, yeah. there's going to be one winner at the end. And, uh, you know, I was just looking at some ranking stuff a while ago and just – and, you know, where we stand right now doesn't really matter that much to me. And uh, for our guys, I think it's obviously we need to continue moving forward one game at a time and, and, and keep trying to strive to get better. Uh, and, you know, like you said a while ago, we only have six games left, and I like where we're at right now. Um, you know, the guys, I don't think they're complacent. I think they want to keep going, pushing forward and winning games, and, and they do what they need to do to win games. Uh, when you get in the conference season, you know, it's not always – uh, about even how you play. It's more about you need to get three points. That's right. Uh, and we've been blessed with that a little bit. Uh, you know, we went up to Christian Brothers and Union, and we had a good game against Christian Brothers. And I would tell you, I thought we played pretty poor against Union, and maybe one of our uh, one of our worst performances in the second half. But you know what? The guys fought, managed the game, and ended up walking away with a win. Uh, and that's kind of stuff in the past. Maybe sometimes we kind of folded up and, and gave up the game kind goal. But there we finished the game and managed it and won. Uh, and so that's kind of stuff that can help us as we move forward. And then we went out and played Delta State, and I would say it's probably one of the best games we've had all year. So so obviously we want to build on that and keep moving forward over these next six games and you know, we be ready for that stretch run as we get closer to the end. Yeah, we're, we're here on the home stretch, six games out. You talk about rankings. Do you ever debate just not looking, or do you kind of use it as oh, fuel to the I'll fire, locker room fire? No, nah, I, like I, like I like to follow it more than else just to see how results went because – I don't spend a lot that much time outside of our conference. I don't really look at that many results mm-hmm. of what's going on in the, in the you know in the southeast and things like that. That just allows me to see you know maybe how a couple of teams did that 
because I'll go see, well, they're out of the rankings. They must have lost. And I'm going to look them up. So just to see how some teams in our region have stuff done. It's more than you would like that based as far as whether we're getting ranked, not ranked. It doesn't, uh, again, because it really has no bearing on how we perform or how we play. Uh, you know, I know this team, these guys are good enough to to compete with anybody in the country if they if they put in a good performance. Uh, and that's all that really matters. And so we got to worry about ourselves more than anything else, not really what people are voting or, or putting down on paper and that kind of stuff, you know. And that's for us. You know, we got – Obviously, this weekend I have West Alabama and Hunts on the road, so I'm just a tough go at it. So our goal is now just to continue to focus on those two games as we get closer. And, and that's all we can do is just focus on what we can do and, and how we train and how we get ready to perform those last six games. all we're trying to do and not really think about rankings and voting and all that kind of stuff, you know? Right, because if these guys knew what they were talking about all of the time, you guys wouldn't be atop of the GSC. It's about where you finish at the end. Um, so you've been in Clinton for a pretty long while now. What year is this for you? This is my year 20. Uh, you know, we've uh, I came in and you know, we were a Division three program and we've moved to Division two. And, uh, you know, I, I'm actually a Clinton guy. I went to Clinton High School and then I went to Bellhaven College and played at Bellhaven a long, long time ago. I'm an old man now, but uh, but, you know, coaching-wise, I've been here this year 20, and I always say coaching's been overrated. I mean, you win with good players. Yeah. Uh, not many not many, uh, not many, many coaches are going to do the job. You don't have good players, and, and we are blessed on our program. We have some very good players, talented players. Uh, and look, that's a good friend of mine always told me a long time ago, if you want to win, get, get better players. And that's kind of the motto we go on is focus on recruiting as much as we can. And, you know, we don't always hit a home run with it, but right now I think we've been blessed where – you know, we've got a little bit done better in recruiting than we've done bad. Let's say that, and so we're blessed with a lot of good kids. This is probably the deepest team we've had. I mean, talking about right now, we have 22 players that have scored a goal this year. So, uh, yeah. you know, that's that's uh, probably not many teams in the country that have that. I can't imagine uh, so. You know, 22 different players have scored a goal. So, and, and you can't win without good players. You're right. Yeah. Um, but it has been a and success. In our conference, and our conference, another thing is, is the depth. I mean, it's important to, because you would play Friday, Sunday. You know, we don't play Wednesday, Saturday, like some other conferences. We play Friday, Sunday. So that Sunday game is always – you might not rely on some players on Friday. But yeah. guess what? You're going to need some of those players on Sunday because some of the guys that might have played 80 minutes on Friday or 90 minutes on Friday, you know, might not be at a full force to play a full 90 again on Sunday. And so you usually go into that bench for sure even more a little on Sunday than you do on Friday. And, and so having depth, good solid depth, which I think we do this year, I think it's the most depth we've ever had, I think that helps provide us to, you know, with the luxury to be able to push players in and, and that can do a job and help us get results even on the Sunday games, which is very, very important in our conference. So That was going to be my next question was what is different about team number 20, but I think you have hit some of the high points, which is an older team, a really talented team, uh, lots of depth. Um, it just seems like an overall good program you have going on right now over there in Clinton. Yeah, it is. Those those are probably the big three things. Probably that's exactly right. It's probably I'll tell you first the maturity of the team. Uh, it's a team that has some good leadership on it. Uh, the depth is obviously a very positive thing, and we do have some very talented players from top to bottom. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, and so I think with that, I think as long as we continue to keep our kind of eye on the prize and, and focus on, like I told you a while ago what we can control, the controllables, uh, as we move forward, you know, I think we will be competitive at the end. You know, look, it t- sometimes it takes a lot of luck to win the whole thing, well, the conference and things like that. You know, we've been in the semifinals, I think, four times. I think out of those four, unfortunately, we've lost on one goal every time or a shootout. So it's just getting over that hump a little bit. And, you know, uh, sometimes, it's like I said, it's just you got to be a little bit lucky here and there, and you got to have things fall your way. Uh, do I think this is a team that can do it? It's definitely a team that's talented enough to do it. 
Uh, we just got to, obviously, like I said, control the things that we can worry about and, and, and pick, make sure we focus on the things that can make us better uh, over these next six games. And then when that conference tournament rolls around, uh, you know, be as prepared as we possibly can be. And God willing, hopefully, I'm not have a lot of injuries. Uh, and then, you know, be ready as, as, as it comes around. I think, I think right now it's looking good for us, but we obviously still have to kind of focus on the next few weeks to make sure we keep moving in the right direction. Right, and like you said earlier, with postseason, you're kind of at the halfway mark. Yes, you're over the halfway point of the regular season, but there's a lot of soccer left to play, and we'll be rooting for you guys all the way. Next game is Friday, October 13th, against West Alabama on the road. We wish you the best of luck, Coach. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. That was Mississippi College men's head soccer coach Kevin Johns joining us on From D2 to D3. If you like this episode and want to hear more, we've had previous episodes with all of the football coaches across the state, legendary sports writer Rick Cleveland, and more. You can find it all under the Sports Talk Mississippi label on Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever you listen. Just search From D2 to D3 or make it a little bit easier on yourself and go to supertalk.fm. It's all there and more. I'm your host, JT Mitchell, and we will see you next week week. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.